Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Today I have a guest with me. Her name is Sarah Priestley. A name that was given to her, well, her first name was given to her, her second name, I take it, is a is a, a married name. Is that right, Sarah? Well, in fact, it, it's my husband's stepfather's name, so he was given it too. <laughs> I love this. You see what I mean about conversations? We have no clue where they're going to go. Anyway, I am delighted to have Sarah with me on this podcast. I've been watching her... Um, I was going to say, grow as a human being, but it's almost diminishes a human being and become this soulful creature. That's what I've been seeing in your writing and, and, and how you're showing up. Sarah, tell people who you are. Oh, I love that question. Because in the old days, I used to sit in groups and people would ask the question and I'd be thinking and thinking and thinking, what, who, who, what can I say, what can I say, what can I say? And now frequently... If I can remember my name, I'm doing well. So I'll, I'll I'm Sarah, and I'll nod. And even if there are a group who've read my name a lot and therefore call me Sarah, sometimes I'll even say I'm Sarah. Mm. I, I've just got out of the habit of, of caring, so my name gets spelt with an H or an E gets missed out. And most of the time I laugh. Sometimes it actually causes brilliant introductions when um, somebody introduced me to a person and took an E out of my name, carefully appended it to the end of this poor boy's name, turning into a girl. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's less and less me in it. Yeah. And more and more joy, especially in conversation. And that's probably what I'm about more than anything else at the moment, is, is talking to people. Mm. You know, I knew when I asked you that question, Sarah or Sarah or <laughs> whoever you are in this human form, I knew when I asked that question, that is the response that I would get. And it's beautiful and it's beautiful for a number of reasons. It shows me that you're not caught up in your human form. You're not caught up in the labels um, and ego of who you think you need to be for the outside world. I, I just think that's stunning. When I meet people who are in that space, there is a beautiful sense of love and neutrality about them because they're not trying to appear windswept and interesting. And they're not defensive about who they, they think they are. Sarah, would you agree? Yeah, it's um, it's actually a much nicer space to operate from than trying to second guess what everybody else thinks you should be and I know I know in the past I have done that and it, it never works out as well mm. and every time now that I find myself kind of holding back trying to second guess what's going to look the best and be that it's never as good as just not caring just showing up and letting what happens happens 
Mm. every time. And life always surprises me. (laughs) The stuff that comes up when I'm not trying to make it work out a certain way is way more exciting, way more creative and way more fun. Yeah. It's an effortless way of living life, isn't it? It is, it is. And um, it can surprise people because they'll they'll find that they'll look maybe at some of the factors of life, of my life, and then look at me and not think that they match up. Yeah. So I think my nature of being a carer should somehow make me more miserable or more contained or... <laughs> I mean, my answer is normally, do you want me to have a miserable life? Yeah. Yes, you see, that's it, isn't it? We look at people and the bias and the judgment and the stories that we have are so unconsciously ingrained in our brains that we don't even know that we're doing it. No. And then we we find it so easy to see in other people and we get a bit smug until Mm. something that's just so deeply embodied in us that we don't even know it's there sticks its head out. Trips us mm. up. So, so Sarah, the journey that you're on yeah. at the moment, I mean, we're all on a journey, but at the moment, it's an enlightenment journey, it's an awakening journey that I know that you're on and I've been on for you know for years. We both have. What's changed for you? What's changed the biggest change in the jacket? I've stopped looking outside mm. for the answers. I've stopped assuming that everybody else knows more than me. Yeah. I've stopped assuming that the stuff I have to write down in a notebook and learn, like how, what does this word mean in this community or this context? And I've stopped looking for a story, a, a nice, pretty packaged story about follow this route and you'll feel better. This will make your life better. This will bring you all the things you ever wanted. And I've let go of a lot of what I thought I wanted. And that's that's probably for me the biggest thing is that it's it's more of a more of an inward journey in a funny way. You know, and for people listening, Sarah, that sounds lovely and it sounds, you know, how do how do you do that? You know, that's the question people always ask. How do you do that? It, it, can you explain to people how you've done that? How I do it, or in my case, there tends to be quite a lot of tantrums because my ego is very good at holding on to <laughs> I am. So sometimes it involves lying in my hall with my legs up the wall, sending messages to people to see who I can drag into my misery with me. <laughs> Promise you, there's plenty of people who can vouch for that. They often get a photo of my feet just to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves really gently questioning when beliefs come up in my head of how do you know that? How do you know that? And it, it simplifies and simplifies back to what do I know? And that's not even a knowing nothing. That's a, a looking for what's constant and what's reliable and not for the things that I used to think that if I got enough cans of baked beans in the cupboards, that 
I would be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of looking away from control as much as anything. It's looking away from this illusion I had for a number of years that if I was just organized enough, clever enough, hardworking enough, good enough, that it would be okay because I got it under control. I never thought I could control the whole world, but I had quite a long list of things that I thought I could manage, that I could control, and that I thought I needed to be me. And the the more and more I see really, really, really simply that I can just show up and I'm already me. That's kind of what I mean by inward. That what comes from that is way, way more exciting than what I got when I thought I had everything managed and under control. It's a beautiful space to live from, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it it's not a permanent by any stretch in my life. There's there's always times I catch myself kind of in, in a wave of some absolutely ego belief led action. But I catch myself and I fall out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately with my husband the same. I even another, the other day he just snarled for some reason can't even remember what and I looked at him and then I just started laughing yeah and a second later he started laughing mm-hmm. and two minutes later we were both still laughing and had no idea what the problem had been in the first place <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> I often have that with my husband as well <laughs> we had one of those at the weekend too you know and and, and it's beautiful because I, I couldn't tell you what it was about but all it was was my my level of awareness was dropping, and so was his. That it's as simple as that. I think that I think it's when we talk about journey, it sounds like it's a, a sort of a, a line, but mm. there's a lot of it it is a journey in terms of I think that you know our our journey back to just the simplicity of who we are is an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. But the moving in and out of just getting caught up in, in thought and belief and dropping back out of it is a, is part of that. And it, I, I know that people kind of have these waking up experiences or enlightening experiences and somehow think they're never going to do that again. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of like to burst that bubble a little bit because it's so easy to beat yourself up the first time you you just get caught into it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I found really wonderful, especially over the last year, is having friends and I can turn up with them and I can say, oh, I'm in a foul mood. And they'll say, great, you want a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> it is lovely, isn't it? I think I just snorted there. <laughs> I'm laughing. No, but it is, it is. That's the beauty of being human, isn't it? I, I see that with, you know, with my daughters, you know, they'll they'll be having, um, maybe having a wee, a wee argument with one another. And one of them will turn around to the other and say, you know what, I'm really tired. I don't think we should do this just now. Let's, let's see how we feel in the morning. And you're like, wow, what incredible awareness. That's phenomenal. And a couple of weeks ago, Jerry and I were in a, a, a restaurant and we'd been at the spa 
and we thought, well, we'll go and have some lunch. And as we went for some lunch, <clears throat> it was in the main the main room. So everybody was there and they were all dressed up in their, you know, their, their, their Sunday finery and looking very well, you know, twin sets and perils. And, you know, I'm going up in my hair soaking. I've got no makeup on. And I just looked like I'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. But that didn't seem to bother me sitting, having lunch. And then we ordered lunch and Jerry's lunch came before mine. And I, Sarah, I could see myself. It was like I was in this emotional nosedive, like a plane nosediving to the ground. And I looked at Jerry and I said, my mood's crashing. I said, I'm, I'm in a nosedive like a plane and I can't seem to pull it up. And the minute that I stopped trying to pull myself up or out of it, it just disappeared. There was, there was just nothing, nothing to do except laugh because I was so aware of what was happening in that moment. Yeah. And that, that seems to me to be the, sort of the two biggest things is one, we actually start to notice that we see the mood crashing. Yeah. So it's like that airplane's crashing and we can see it, but there's a, it's not a detachment, but mm. there's a, there's a slight disinterest in it. And then we see that our trying to get things right is, is what's making the problem in the first place or keeping mm. us stuck there. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay, there goes that mood again. Mm. And other whole days I'll check in at the end of the day with myself and go, mm, there's a bit of a grump there, but it's not stopped. Yeah. Any of the conversations, any of the work, any of the domestic chores that I had to do all of them show up and get done and get done you know happily and well mm-hmm. and the, it's mood in the background it's it, it, it can do its own thing absolutely absolutely it's just being present isn't it being present in in who you're showing up as in every single given moment of time and having nothing on it absolutely the nothing on it I I remember a week in the... I was in St James's Park in London. I wasn't meant to be there. I was meant to be at Waterloo. Mm-hmm. But I was in a, I'd had a mood and I was just walking and giving tourists directions the way I like to, where I I just say what comes into my head first and check mm-hmm. afterwards if I'm right. And I just turned a corner and I came across this flower bed and suddenly I had tears rolling down my face. This is the most beautiful flower bed in the world mm. and I took millions of photos and when I looked at them afterwards I was like well you know it, it was a very nice flower bed but it, it I, there was nothing in the pictures of this flower bed that could explain how I'd stood there for 10 minutes with tears rolling down my face declaring it to be the most beautiful thing and wondering why other people weren't also stopped and staring at this flower bed and it was just the Suddenly, nothing on your mind, being present and being overwhelmed by love. I started to get an inkling because I, I fell in love with two policemen, a spotty teenager, <laughs> a granny, and the next five minutes, I started to get a clue that maybe this was just what happens when you, you drop out your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were at um, a wedding at the weekend in... in up at Colleen Castle, which is near where we live. And it was an American wedding. It was a lot of um, one of my friends, um, 
family live over there and they wanted to get married in a Scottish castle. So she put all of her friends on the one table. So there was, you know, a few of us were Scottish, the rest of them were American. And we all sat down at the table. And immediately one of the American men said, now we're all going to get along fine as long as one person's name is not mentioned at this table. <laughs> you know, and the first thing that came to my mind, you know, my cheeky nature said Voldemort, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, just just to be cheeky. And we all laughed. We all knew instinctively what he was talking about. Yes. But, but do you know, we did talk about that one person during the night. We did. But there was nothing on it. People were giving their personal opinions. And as we know, opinions are not facts. They are simply concepts, constructs. And it was lovely to have that space where everybody felt safe enough to say what was on their mind, to say it with their own personal bias on it. And for everyone just to get along and have fun. And it, it thrilled me that, that one of the Americans, Mickey, that I was sitting beside, went over to my friend Elaine at the top table and said, that's the best table ever. I love this table. Thank you so much. <laughs> but we were all together just resting in this space of, look, this is who we are. In this moment, this is who we are. This is how we're showing up. And it was lovely. It was really nice. Years ago, Sarah, I would have been in my head. I would have been a nightmare, worried, you know, about what was the right thing to say, what wasn't the right thing to say, wanting people to like me, drinking, because that I felt would have calmed me down and I would be more windswept and interesting if I'd had a drink. And I actually decided to drive that night. Because I know that alcohol, that, that was just a story. Yeah, now alcohol's a really funny one. Mm. About four months ago now, I just suddenly stopped drinking. And if you told me two days before that, that for a healthy reason, I wasn't able to drink wine anymore, I'd th- I expect I would have been devastated mm-hmm. or even quite angry. And then I just said, mm, I don't think I want a glass of wine tonight. And that's continued so now it doesn't even occur to me to want to drink mm-hmm. uh, maybe the I always thought I was too boring to be in company without a drink in me and now I probably still think I'm too boring but I don't care as much <laughs> <laughs> but I love it that when we actually just show up and recognise ourselves in each other Mm-hmm. You can have a conversation about American politics or about the weather or about children or pets or work. And it, it's all the same because it, it's it's just all of us expressing mm-hmm. that that we've seen in each other in in conversation. And it it can kind of mean that you just you don't need to have a deep spiritual conversation with someone to find a deep spiritual commonality no not at all not at all that's it isn't it it's when you know with absolute certainty that you are not this human form that just opens up everything doesn't it it's like you saying falling in love with a sporty teenager the policeman 
yeah, when we're not in love with this human form and we're just in our, our essence or our true nature or coming from source, whatever you want to call it, it's a beautiful way to live. And it, for me, it's been such a, such a gift to not need another person to be any different from how they are. Mm-hmm. To, I spent a day in London not so long ago with somebody and they cried for five hours. And at the end I said, oh, it's been great spending time with you. Yeah. And she said, but I cried most of the time. I said, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I do love that. I, 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 I realised how much I would wanted other people to feel different for me to be okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a real a real insight, isn't it? When you're able to give up the concepts of who you think people should be or what they should do or how they should do it and the time frame in which they should do it. I had um, a client recently and like like you've said, she cried all the way through, you know, our coaching call and she interrupted me all the time and you know her mind was just really really busy and at the end of the call I said oh my god thank you so much for this I've loved this experience and she said Jackie how can you say that I said because I can because every time we sit down with another human being and we go into that beautiful space of, of of essence with one another we discover who we are again yeah, it's, it's that reminder of, like you say, true nature beyond mm. everything that shows up mm. in the human form. And knowing that that somehow as part of this journey, we get to experience it, but not be limited by it. Mm. And that's the key, isn't it, Sarah, not being limited by it? It feels to me, yeah, because as soon as... As soon as there's a limit, there's restriction and there's need and there's lack, and then then we're struggling against it. But as with that, just one recognition that I am not limited to this mind and body, there's naturally in that dropping away of all the things that come with that limitation. There's so much freedom. Mm. And there's so much freedom to just allow how other people show up to be how they show up. Yeah. And I love that. I love watching people reveal themselves in each and every moment. I love seeing people reveal who they are. And, you know, like we've spoken about earlier, there's no judgment on it. It's like, oh, look where they hurt us now. Yeah, because I think we kind of know that it's that bit's a dream. Yeah. That that we can let that play out, how it plays out, and there's no there's no judgment, there's no better or worse. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bit of there, but for the grace of God go I. <laughs> In my case there's a lot of that. <laughs> Oh my God, the mind feels I step in from time to time. (laughs) And then beyond that, there's just this 
wonderful thing about knowing that they're me. Mm-hmm. Them, mm. but the, the essence of me is the essence of them and it, it's not separated out into little body-sized portions of of essence mm-hmm. but one limitless lack free pool of it that it simplifies it Mm. It simplifies it over and over again. And I love that moment in people where they they cry or they laugh. Yeah. That sudden giggle of recognition of themselves. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, that, that's who I've been talking to all along. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest moments I had in that, um, I was doing something with Michael Neal years and years and years ago. And as, as part of that process, there was a, a conversation with Michael before we actually got to, you know, the, the weekend intensive and he'd sent me a list of things um, to fill in to see what it was I wanted to be transformed. You know, like he was my fairy godfather. <laughs> if I wrote everything down in this list, it would all change. And we got the telephone conversation and, you know, he, he sort of guided me and said, okay, Jackie, what is it you want to change on this weekend? And I said, you know, and I went through my whole list. And at the end of my list, he turned around to me, Sarah, and he said, Jackie, that's the biggest litany of shite I've heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't stop laughing. And I knew at that moment, the transformation was already happening. It can't not. No, no, I know. In that wonderful recognition mm-hmm. of of just yourself without that list, just for a moment. Mm. I, I don't always subscribe to that that approach when I'm working with people, but I have had that kind of Michael moment with somebody where after about 45 minutes, I somebody from a different country I did say to them well you know obviously culturally we've got some differences and they said oh yeah and I said yeah we we've got one habit over in in Britain that you might not know about and she said what's that I said well when you ask a question what she had done at the beginning of this 45 minutes I said we normally just shut up and listen for the answer (laughs) and while she was collecting her jaw from the floor I was able to to just draw a line under the rant and and start with something new that was incredibly productive for both and much more fun but it was one of those moments where I looked at where I'd got myself and thought well no going back no but you see I love that Sarah because that for me that's the space I I coach from it's the space I live from and some people would say it's provocative or it's cheeky or it's mischievous but what it is, is really tuning in to yourself, to source, to the other person and knowing what you can and can't get away with that will bring that person back. Because in the end, it's so easy to get sucked into a conversation about the stuff that doesn't matter. And that's no service to anyone. No. Whereas if I can call them home for to a better way of putting mm. it. The conversation we're going to have is going to come from a completely different place. And at the end of it, return us both to a new world. Mm-hmm. 
and there was no better conversation. Oh, I agree. Sarah, tell people about the work that you do. The work that I do. Um, I I mostly I mostly work with individuals, mm-hmm. although I've got a couple of small group programs running in different ways at different times. I have no program in terms of there's no schedule, there's no plan, there's mm-hmm. no list of things that we have to achieve. And I go into each and every call both excited and petrified about what's going to happen. And a lot of the time I just answer questions because the most common question I find from people is, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it all, but... And then there's there's something that's just huge in their life and they're trying to rationalise it or get meaning from it or apply something to it. And I'd say probably 90% of the time we don't talk about that thing that's the absolute priority for them in their life, but the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference if they can keep it, improve it, get it, get rid of it. And I can remember saying to somebody just the other day and they brought me a particular practical problem and I listened for a little while and I said, ah, you don't know you're not separate. Mm. And I heard the conversation drop. Mm. That's how it comes to me. I guess we have to express things by our senses and perceptions because that's what we've got to describe life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I talk to people and I can almost hear a speed and a pace and a drop into something that's a bit deeper and a bit slower. And then I'm like, we're on. And afterwards I've no idea what we've said, what's happened, but I know that that little key that drops, drops someone out of their head into their heart. That's beautiful. You know something's landed, but you don't need to know what that something is. It's not, we, we just don't need to know. It's not our department to have to know that. I, I do, that, that's one of the things I love as well, Sarah, is, is having someone who comes to you and there are no spaces between the words. You can tell how busy-minded they are. You can feel it. As you see, what we're talking about here is is beyond our senses. There's a beautiful feeling, and we talk about feeling all the time, but there is, there's a feeling behind behind that transformation or all over that transformation. And when the person who is, is is pointing you in a direction or facilitating you towards a direction of understanding what we're talking about. Yeah. And for me, it's just such a... Um, I've heard before in coaching, I'll meet people where they are, meet people where they are. <laughs> and for me, it seems much more know who they are. Oh, God, yes. 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 <laughs> yes, absolutely. Know who they are. Know how they're experiencing or creating their moment-to-moment experience of life. Know that they have everything they need inside of them. 
know that they're not broken, know that they don't need fixed, know that they're just misunderstanding. And know that deep down, each of us has has this most simple access. <coughs> each of us has the most simple access to seeing mm. who they are is does not sit in that mind and body, in mm. that body that can be broken, mm-hmm. that eventually will not be there. Mm-hmm. But who they are is something more than the body that gets born and that dies. Absolutely. And that everything that we're talking about, all those attributes of being unbroken, having everything you need, being complete, they're the essential nature of, of us, of our true nature. And that that's the place to look, that looking for it in a body it is never going to be found. And looking for it in who we are allows perspective I guess Mm -hmm. when I work with people who maybe have had a a terminal cancer diagnosis we're not looking to tell them in fact one poor person they actually said to me they were talking about a pain in their body and they said that somebody had told them it was their resistance to their thinking (laughs) and probably like you would say I just said well it sounds like neuropathy to me yeah and she collapsed laughing because she's like well yes and knowing that it's not our body that is who we are grants us that first freedom to experience all of it mm-hmm. in a completely different way. And so that, that for me is the starting point, is that loosening that grip on our identity needing to be that, that, that ego and that body. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, that wisdom is our true nature intuition is our true nature and knowing that our body gives us information yes it guides us and and so many people don't listen to that either they push past it instead of resting and knowing that they're being given information about what to do I just keep thinking I, I used to be a midwife years ago and I had three natural childbirths when I had my daughters. Almost, well, quarter of a century ago. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, and I knew that I didn't want to be hooked up to any machines. I knew that I wanted to walk around. I knew that I didn't want them to break my waters. I knew that I wanted to be left alone. And all of the births of my children were just, you know... The, interesting experiences because like a contraction like life there there is this this peak of experience and sometimes the peak of an experience could be oh, highly beautiful and wonderful and there's lots of elation but other times the peak of an experience can be painful and then that experience subsides like a contraction it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes. And what we're talking about, Sarah, here is understanding that that is the nature of life. Everything is transient. Everything that is composed decomposes. Every thought comes and goes. Every mood comes and goes. Living life having absolutely nothing on any of that 
helps us rest in a space of just loving. Yeah. It, it's, there's the movement and the stillness. And then yeah. finding, and finding that stillness first, it does let you come at all the movement, the, the, the highs and lows of it, as you put it in a, in a different way. And even to experience even pain in a different way. Yes. I'd say. And I, a few years ago now, my, my appendix perforated. And because maybe you can guess, I could walk and talk through that. Mm-hmm. It was a long, long time till they operated. And they, they said maybe 40 hours, maybe a little bit more before they operated on me. And the blood results I got were were fairly wild. I, I questioned a few junior doctors on the numbers and they got scared. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in hospital for the best part of a month. And every night my consultant would come to see me and every night he'd look at my blood test results and then look at me and say, I've, he said, if I didn't trust my team, I'd be asking somebody to prove these were your blood test results because my blood test results just showed for that whole time somebody who was really, really, really ill. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, but I saw you at the other side of the hospital this morning. And when I said walk, I kind of meant to the nurse's station, not a mile. <laughs> and I'd say twice. And apart, apart from very, very briefly, you know, just on the way into the operating theatre, and a couple of times when pain just seemed overwhelming, mm. pain was there. But it, it wasn't who I was, and it wasn't overwhelming who I was. And I was able just to sit quite peacefully yeah. alongside that pain. And it, it was such a, a lesson to me that we make so many assumptions about how an experience should be, mm-hmm. both good and bad. And for me, it was actually kind of a, a quite a light, peaceful three or four weeks mm-hmm. where people came to see me and people went and I walked around hospital grounds in the autumn and looked at the trees and mm-hmm. and all the time obviously carrying a, a major physical illness with me but it it showed me that the first thing I need to do when I even that's too extreme when I when I meet somebody is not to assume that their circumstances mean anything and that somebody who is seriously ill may well be the happiest person. And somebody who's just broken a bowl in the kitchen may well be the saddest person. And that there's no hierarchy in suffering. Yeah. Because all suffering comes from the same simplest misunderstanding of, of where our nature is and who, who we are, where our identity is. Mm, you've reminded me, Sarah, of my father. My father was a, a very, very fit man, never had a day off his work in his life. And he retired at the age of 63. And at the age of 64, he was diagnosed with um, peritoneal mesothelioma, which is an asbestos-related disease, but it was in his peritoneum and not in his lungs. And as a result of that, he had all sorts of blood problems and um, they discovered he also had um, bowel cancer, all industrial-related cancers. And I remember my dad went into hospital, Sarah, and 
they did the operation to find out whose bill was. They had, you know, they'd done the 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 proctoscopy and they decided they needed to go in and, and have a look. And essentially they just opened my dad up and closed him again because, you know, there was nothing they could do. And I remember sitting with my dad that night after his surgery and my dad turned around to me and he said, you know, Jackie, he says, I'm, I'm 64 years old. I've, I've had a good life. He says, look at these poor guys in the rest of the four-bedded ward. They're young and they've got the same as me. And I just thought, wow. And he enjoyed, you know, the, the year and a half, two years that he had of his life in good spirit, beautiful presence, incredible humility. And he taught all of us, just through his living, he taught all of us about life. And this understanding that you and I are talking about, it's not about the talking about it, it's about living in that space. And when other people see us and talk with us about the understanding that we share, they can't help but be transformed they can't help but see something for themselves. Would you agree? That's a beautiful, beautiful story about your dad. I I almost feel like I knew him now. Mm. And it's, I think there's a wonder in, there's just a simple beauty that anybody can, anybody can fall into this understanding and they, they don't need to be a teacher of it. They can, simply live this really clear understanding that actually there's so much more than just my mood, my emotions, my body. Mm-hmm. And they just live it. And they it's natural. It shows up naturally, this. It, it's not a humility that has to be practised. It's not a gratitude that needs to be journaled, but if people get joy from journaling, I think it's wonderful. But mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a technique of thinking five great things before breakfast. It's a it's a background that that gradually pervades the foreground of of a absence of lack. Mm-hmm. That sounds really ordinary and simple, but an absence of lack when you put it into any area of your life. Just to feel an absence of lack is is the most wonderful thing. Sarah, this is, as always, it's been a beautiful conversation with you. And I'd love to thank you for for being my guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. I've had a wonderful time talking to you, Jackie. (laughs) Perfect. Sarah, what's next for you? What's next? Um... I'm still studying at the moment for in psychology purely as an interest, as mm-hmm. a self-interest, which I find I find fascinating. The beliefs that are seeing how little evidence that is, and how realizing how little evidence there could be for so many beliefs that just sit in our culture and limit people. Hold mm-hmm. the state of black. Beyond that, I'm. Um, 
I'm planning a, a wee Scottish gathering. Next. You saw that. <laughs> Up in my, in the Trossachs. Mm-hmm. I should say we're still West Coast girl, but my favourite place in the mm-hmm. world, probably. Uh, a very small group, maybe, maybe 10 people, um, just to, to sit and to, to enjoy the conversation, to enjoy the silence together. And that, that's, that's my next project. Mm, it sounds lovely. What I will do, Sarah, is I'll put all your details on the show notes so that people can get in touch with you uh, to find out a bit more about what you're doing. And if they want to come along to the Trossachs event, that would be, be wonderful to join you. And I see Ali Scott's joining you as well. Yes, yeah. Ali, Ali Scott and Vicky Kelly and I, who who work together occasionally on, on different projects. Uh-huh. Since um, I, I've, I've been visiting the Trossachs for as long as I can remember. Mm. And... I've always wanted to take other people there just to, just to experience with me just the the beauty of how of the space. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the things in this understanding that we tend to be drawn to to fun, to beauty, to love, mm. to truth, to service. Mm. Because those become the expression of that lack of lack. The, the absence of lack and the beauty that that brings into life. And we are drawn naturally to the things that, that reflect that and spending time doing the things that reflect that. Um, and, and it's such a gift to me to be able to, able to introduce people to this understanding and, and to a place I love at the same time. But yeah, if people want to, want to reach out and, ask me questions or chat I'm I'm pretty much always available (laughs) perfect thanks again Sarah take care you too Jackie okay Bye. bye you could be larger than life You're cool.